And he sees the Spirit descending on him like a dove or a, or a, or a, or a pigeon. And uh, it's a real sort of high point for Jesus at the beginning of his ministry. You get Father, Son, and Spirit together, a real affirmation of who he is and what he's come to do. This is my Son with whom I am well pleased. The same Spirit that blesses him there then leads him into the wilderness. He goes from a high point to a tougher point. But God has not left him. God has not left him. He's led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And it's a really important point to remember as we begin to think about this story. There's so many Christians, and myself included, if we go through some difficult times, if something gets a bit hard or, or, or problematic, we often think, don't we, we must have done something wrong. We must have done something wrong. And, and, we, and we can sort of track back through the past sort of few weeks and we thought, what have I done? What have I done? And, and we try to find this thing and it, as if we could bring it to the Lord and sort of pull it out and say, there we are. That's what's gone wrong and everything will be all right. Actually, that's not what the, what the scripture says. Jesus goes into the wilderness at the leading of the Spirit. So there will be times, it seems fair to say, when the Lord will lead us into our wilderness, where things are difficult. Right, so what's the first thing that happens to him? It's the first thing that happens to him. He fasts for 40 days and 40 nights, okay? He was hungry. He was hungry. The tempter came to him and says, if. Often, you remember the, the voice of the snake in the, in, the, um, in, in, the, in the garden? The snake doesn't come and say, eat the apple or fruit, eat the fruit. He doesn't say that, does he? He says, did God say? Did God say? It's this undermining thing. Did God say? If you are, can you really trust God? Can you really do? Is it okay? Undermining, trying to pull away at the convictions of the goodness of God. If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Okay. First temptation comes at a point of weakness. Jesus is hungry. Jesus is hungry. Okay. In other words, the tempter is not daft. Okay? The tempter finds something where Jesus is vulnerable and he goes for him there. I don't know if that rings true for you, okay? Something where you're vulnerable and the tempter will come, all right? I can assure you there are, you know, like, I'm, I'm never going to get tempted by, um, by uh, alcohol, okay? I'm never, okay? Not because I'm a particularly good person, but because I have drunk alcohol in the past and the following day, I feel like death warmed up. Right, really, really badly, death warmed up. Like, it's horrible, it's awful. So I have absolutely no, no, no interest in it at all. Honestly? So if, if the devil comes to me, he's not going to tempt me with that. He might tempt me with other things. Anyway, to illustrate this point, to illustrate this point, I want to show you something, okay? Here's a packet of digestives. Very crackly digestives. Okay. 
Here's my digestive on the on the neck. Is the digestive there? Excuse me. Yep. Right. What should we have on the digestives? Shall we have a piece of freshly cut courgette? Okay, uncooked, uncooked. All right. We could have one of those. We could have a little bit of slightly manky banana, okay? Here we go. There we go. Or a spoonful of Nutella. It's cold in church, it's not spreading. Okay. Right. Now, if I were to walk this round church, any, 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 any takers for the courgette? No? Any takers for the slightly manky banana? No, 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 it's for me, like a bit of manky banana. Anyone for the, anyone for the Nutella? Which is the one that's worst for you on the, on the plate? No Nutella, isn't it? I know. It's horrible, isn't it? It's horrible. We are often tempted, aren't we, by those things that we're, that, in which we are vulnerable and those things with which may do us harm. So what does Jesus say? Jesus says... Man does not live on every on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the voice of God. He he challenges us, doesn't he? He reminds us. He reminds us that what do we depend on? What do we depend on? Is it the bread? Is it the tetella? What is it that we depend on? Do we? Can we? Might this be a time to learn again? that ultimately, ultimately, our dependence is on him. Because however lovely the Nutella would be, it will be gone. But Jesus is the bread of life. Jesus is the water welling up to eternal life. Jesus is the one who gives us our purpose, our sense of his presence, forgiveness, love, life, and his joy today and tomorrow and forever. On whom do we depend? Lent gives us this opportunity to ask that question. On what or on whom do we depend? Can we make it the Lord God from day to day? Okay, second temptation. I am going to need a volunteer here. I don't know whether anyone would be up for volunteering, okay? I, I don't know if, um, I don't, don't, uh, where, uh, Hannah, would Hannah volunteer for this? I don't know whether she would or anyone. I, just, I mean, it would lend itself to a child, but it doesn't have to be a child. Quite busy at the moment, that's all right. Uh, okay?
I'll do it myself then. Okay. Because I don't want to waste all these props, okay? Right. You've got to guess what I am, okay? No, 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 no. <laughs> I haven't finished yet. <laughs> I'm a generic superhero, actually. <laughs> This is my cape, okay? This is my headdress to keep my hair out of my eyes because you need to keep your hair out of your eyes when you're a super, super, I'd said that to my beloved yesterday and she said, your hair wouldn't go in your eyes, okay, like that. It's not long enough. Anyway, okay. The second temptation, oops, sorry. The second temptation is Jesus being taken to the top of the, the temple and, 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 to, and Satan says, why don't you throw yourself down? Why don't you throw yourself down? After all, it says in the Bible, that if you do, if you, if you, you know, the angels will, will look after you. Well, they'll do, they'll do this wonderful thing for you. In other words, Jesus is being tempted, isn't he? To misuse his power. He's being tempted to show everybody how sort of wonderful he is in this sort of slightly gimmicky kind of way to, to sort of do some big stunt and everybody will say, oh yes, you are who, uh, uh, who you say you are. The trouble is, that's not the way of the cross, is it? We know that Jesus has come not to be served, but to serve, to travel in the way of the cross, to live his life of humility and service, to wash people's feet, to touch the lepers, and to raise the fallen. This is not the way of the cross. So he says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. God is not some divine safety net that's going to catch you however ridiculous you may uh, behave, however ridiculously you may behave. God's promises of protection are there for when we seek to do his will, when we follow in his way, when we are the people that he wants us to be. The power that Jesus has is not to be misused. Again, perhaps during Lent we can think about this. Wouldn't it be wonderful if Jesus did wonderful, big, sort of dramatic things? Everyone could look at him and say, oh yes, obviously it's true. Oh yes, obviously Jesus is the one. Or Jesus can continue his work in us, transforming us slowly, gradually, day by day, moment by moment, into his image, into his people. A far deeper, 
more profound, more wonderful, more miraculous transformation. Then thirdly, I want to just, uh, I wanted to show you um, uh, just, a, just a quick PowerPoint here. Okay. This is uh, apparently Hampstead Heath in London. Okay, now I just want to say for the record, I know very little about Hampstead Heath, but this is a picture of Hampstead Heath. And uh, apparently to cycle all the way around Hampstead Heath is uh, just over 10 kilometers. It takes three quarters of an hour. So what would happen if you wanted to get between those two points. You'd have a choice, wouldn't you? You'd have a choice. You could either go round on the road safely, or you could go across the middle. Now just imagine it was getting a bit dark at night, and you're thinking, am I going to go around on the road safely? Or am I going to go across? Okay. It's really easy, isn't it, to want to find shortcuts. Wanting to get from A to B more quickly than really we know is right and safe. When Jesus is tempted by the devil, shows him all the, 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 the countries of the world, the nations of the world, and says, I'll, I'll, I'll give them to you. I'll give them to you. Just imagine all the good that Jesus can do. He'd be able to right wrongs and, and put things straight and do all these amazing things. Do the end justify the means? Does the destination justify the route that you take? And of course, it doesn't. But actually, it's a really easy temptation to fall into, isn't it? To get where we want to get to. And we take sometimes a route which hurts or damages or alienates other people. Instead of going the longer route, the route we may, at times we may not even trust will get us there in the end. But actually, the route that Jesus takes goes all the way to the cross. That is the way through which ultimately all power and authority will be given to him through the cross and the resurrection. Do you remember at the end of the Gospel of Matthew, as Jesus is about to leave his disciples. He gives them the great commission, but before he does, he says, all authority in heaven on earth and has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples. Jesus is not going to take a shortcut through some horrible grubby deal with the devil. His way is the royal way the way that will go all the way through the cross to fulfill what God has set for him. So these three temptations, they remind us of some simple truths. Firstly, that a wilderness time may well be a God-given time. 
And if you are in a wilderness time, don't see it as a sign that something is wrong. Instead, see it as an opportunity to draw close to God, to draw close to the Lord and allow him to strengthen you. Don't be surprised if temptations come at the point where you are vulnerable. The tempter is not stupid. He will come to you in those places. But it is in those places where we can say, Lord, I can't, but you can. Help me to know that man, women, people do not live on bread alone, but on you. It is on you that we are called to depend. And if we are tempted to, to, to look for the dramatic, the big, and say, Lord, if you just do that, everything will be all right, to be reminded that God is not some divine stuntman. Instead, he is in the business of changing us into his people. And finally, if we are ever tempted to think that the ends justify the means, to remember that we are called to the way of the cross, day by day, dying to self so that we can rise to new life with Christ. Not because he wants us to somehow be miserable or wants to take things from us. It is actually the reverse. He wants us to know life in all its fullness. And he knows that it is as we seek him first that all these things will be added to us as well. So I pray that Lent will be a good time for you. It's not too late to start if, you've, if it's passed you by. We've still got six weeks before Easter. Imagine what you could do with the Lord in the wilderness in six weeks. Amen.